0: I'm going to be a great unifier, George. I will be a great unifier for the country.
1: Uh, of course you will, Donald. Of course you will.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me to the right, here I am Stuck in the middle with you yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle
1: From Pacifica with Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles is, This do. is the broadcast As heard on 90.7 FM in LA 91.7 FM KYAQ On the beautiful Oregon Central Coast 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania Coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Boy, oh boy, welcome to another thrilling, action-packed adventure, and it has been indeed over these last several days. We'll get into that uh, momentarily. Um, also, uh, well, you heard Donald Trump there in our opening quote saying he will be a unifier. Uh, that's kind of fun. But well, the good news is uh, for today, I, I think that maybe all of the presidential politics we will actually have time to get into in detail. So you're welcome. Uh, The states, on the other hand, that's a different issue. Uh, The states are the laboratory of democracy, as they say. Well, I got to hope not, at least uh, given what is going on right now in Wisconsin uh, and uh, frankly receiving damned little coverage from the media, from the corporate media. Three bills now have moved or are moving through the state legislature both last week and this week. Uh, taken together, all three of these bills will absolutely gut, absolutely gut fi- fi- campaign finance regulations in the state and the Im- ability to enforce any of them, the ability to stop any kind of political uh, uh, corruption there in Wisconsin. It's it's kind of amazing. Uh, for a long time, Wisconsin has has really been sort of a model of transparency and uh, oversight when it came to elections and election uh, finance procedures. But with Governor Scott Walker now out of the presidential race, a long-time uh, investigation against him has now, against actually him and his top funders, all Koch brothers-funded organizations for the most part, now that that uh, has been gutted by the Supreme Court, State Supreme Court, there uh, by justices who were elected to that court by the very same coke fueled interests. Now that that investigation is over, now that Scott Walker is out of the GOP presidential race, both Governor Walker and state Republicans seem absolutely hell bent on making sure that none of any of that, none of those investigations, Can ever happen again. And what they are doing, what they have have long been doing, frankly, in Wisconsin is the very basis for what Republicans are trying to accomplish nationally. So pay attention, please pay attention to what's going on in Wisconsin. Because that is a, a petri dish for, uh, you know, what Republicans are doing when it comes to things like gutting union rights and uh, voting rights. And uh, d- more directly here, as I'll speak uh, about with my guest momentarily, fair and overseeable elections. Those days are over in Wisconsin if this pack of laws passes. So anyway, we'll talk about that in, in a few moments here because it is, to me, mind-blowing. And I admit, like much of the media, I was looking the other way last week. There was so much news going on, but it would be nice if folks could focus on what's going on right now in Wisconsin. Also last week, um, I had neglected to mention, we covered the story about New Mexico's Republican Secretary of State, Diana Duran, and her resignation and guilty plea late last week. Um for fraud, for election fraud, for uh, embezzling uh, money from her campaign, for lying about who was the you know the treasurer on her campaign, uh, and for uh, she she was caught taking almost a half a million dollars out of her bank accounts uh, while she was at casinos throughout the state. So now Diana Duran had been one of these big Republican voter fraud fraudsters claiming there was huge uh, Democratic fraud going on in the state in elections, trying to keep Democrats from being able to register, from trying to be able to vote, and now... She herself uh, had to step down after uh, election fraud-related crimes that she has pled guilty to. But I forgot to mention last week that she is actually the second Republican secretary of state who, who fought for things like photo ID restrictions under the guise of preventing voter fraud. She's the second one to leave office after having been found guilty of election fraud themselves. Charlie White, the uh, Republican secretary of state of Indiana, he was actually their first secretary of state after enacting the first in the nation photo ID voting restriction. He, too, was found guilty of uh, felony charges, multiple felony charges uh, a couple of years back, several of them relating to having committed voter fraud himself. So uh, there you go. When you hear Republicans talking about uh, voter fraud, I think they're projecting just a little bit because they seem to be the ones who are uh, uh, carrying out fraud. And we're talking about the top election officials in both uh, New Mexico now and Indiana. who have had to step down for election related crimes. All right. It has been a weekend of death and destruction, frankly, uh, but not where we had expected uh, death and destruction to happen Uh, At the end of our last broadcast, uh, on Saturday uh, during a homecoming parade in Oklahoma, um, how many do we have here now? Four were killed. uh, Dozens more were injured when Adacia Chambers, 25-year-old, was arrested and charged with driving under the influence. Although her attorney now says she was not a drinker, she didn't do drugs, she had been hospitalized some years ago. It remains unclear what that hospitalization was uh, in regard to, but her, her, uh, her attorney now says uh, that he believes uh, she had no idea what was going on. She says her behavior was not consistent with a drunken stupor and that he was not satisfied when he talked to her that he was uh, communicating with a competent individual. Uh, so it's unclear what happened uh, two years ago when she was hospitalized And put on a cocktail of medications, and if she was still taking those at this point, uh, 47 people were injured in that crash on Saturday at the Oklahoma State University homecoming parade. Four people killed, including a two-year-old boy. Uh, That was Saturday. Then on uh, Sunday... A disaster off the uh, off the coast of British Columbia. One person remains missing on Monday after a whale watching tour boat carrying 27 people capsized. Five people died. 21 were rescued, uh, ranging in age from 18 to 76. Uh, this uh, same company, the uh, Leviathan Two, is the name of the boat. It was owned by Jamie's Whale Watching Station and Adventure. They had a- another. Uh, Event in 1998 when uh, there was another fatal accident. That year, a boat operator and a passenger aboard the Ocean Thunder were tossed overboard and drowned in turbulent waters during a whale-watching trip, although the waters were said to be much calmer over the weekend, so it's unclear at this moment what uh, led to the sinking of the Leviathan II. and then on Monday, a magnitude 7.5 earthquake hit northern Afghanistan, uh, killing more, well over 150 people there, and in neighboring Pakistan, flattening thousands and thousands of buildings. Uh, that happens. Uh, that is, uh, rescues and, and so forth are underway as we go to air. I think this number is going to get much, much higher. Uh, devastating earthquakes are common in this area. A 7.6 magnitude quake killed around 75,000 people in northern Pakistan, around the same area back in 2005. So this is expected to climb much higher. But what we thought we would be talking about uh, at the beginning of this week was what happened uh, in, uh, in Mexico as Hurricane Patricia when we completed our last show, it looked like it was, well, it was indeed recorded as the strongest hurricane ever recorded on record, and it was barreling ashore in Mexico. And uh, Desi Doyen, our producer, my uh, co-host on the uh, Green News Report, it looks like, in this case, Mexico and, uh, and frankly, uh, the United States dodged a bullet
2: well, I wouldn't say they dodged a bullet because it was a Category 5 storm, and it did slam into Mexico's coast. So that was still the bullet. Luckily, the bullet, because of location and preparation and sheer luck, didn't kill more people or destroy more infrastructure. It went ashore in a very sparsely populated area in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Fifty miles north, it would have hit Puerto Vallarta, the tourist Mecca. And because the Mexican government was prepared, they sent out emergency warnings. They got the evacuations completed. They got uh, hastily rep- prepared shelters for people and uh, because the storm came up so fast it did not have time to create a massive storm surge so because of that the only six people have died so far
1: uh, well that is the i guess we'll call it good news that is, <laughs> at this that's, point that's, uh, it's
2: amazing it, yeah. considering how strong the storm was
1: indeed and have uh, been a, much worse a huge amount of rain still working its way across the country that's right. going to shake itself out over the next couple of days uh, but uh, the world's uh, most powerful uh, hurricane. Uh, and thankfully, so far, much less damage than could have uh, happened. The National Weather Service said uh, they were looking at a potentially catastrophic storm. Um, so I, I hate to say it with, uh, what did you say, five or six uh, dead? Six. At this, uh, six dead at this time. Uh, terrible news there, obviously, but could have been. Much, much worse. All right. uh, Speaking of terrible news, we're going to take a quick break and um, head on up to the Badger State and what Scott Walker and the Republicans are doing there now. You're not going to believe it, really. And if you live anywhere else in this country other than Wisconsin, you are also going to want to know about this next story. I'll be speaking with Brendan Fisher of Wisconsin Center for Media and Democracy. Buckle up for that. A lot more broadcast straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman.
2: Stay tuned.
1: Uh-huh. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, Republicans in Wisconsin, frankly, are hoping, uh, Republicans and Scott Walker are hoping the rest of the country walk the way they are currently walking. What is going on right now in Wisconsin is absolutely incredible. I think it's uh, more important, more dangerous, more disturbing uh, that one, Then what went on uh, a few years back with Act 10 when the uh, Wisconsin legislature and Scott Walker gutted uh, collective bargaining rights uh, for unions out there, leading to the uh, recall elections uh, that uh, Scott Walker uh, reportedly survived by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin. But what is going on right now in Wisconsin, in the Badger State, I would argue is 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 worse than that, is more troubling than that, and uh, it could very well have implications for the entire nation. Now, Scott Walker, just a few weeks ago, dropped out of the 2016 presidential contest, so at least we don't have to concern ourselves at this point with with Scott Walker and his uh, and his national ambitions for the time being. But now. Boy, now he and the Republicans following uh, uh, the state Supreme Court, essentially cutting the knees out from underneath a, uh, a John Doe investigation. And we'll explain what that is uh, into uh, Walker and his cronies. Um, now that that has happened at the state Supreme Court level, it seems like Wisconsin Republicans are out for blood. Brendan Fisher, writing over at the Center for Media and Democracy, says Wisconsin Republicans are out for revenge and the Cokes have their back. Last week, he notes the Wisconsin state legislature took up a trifecta of bills that would undermine the state's long traditions of clean and transparent government. And they really do have such a tradition. Many in the nation look to Wisconsin uh, for their uh, for their uh, transparent election process. One of the three bills would uh, would gut the state's campaign finance laws and retroactively decriminalize the secretive campaign finance schemes that Walker engaged in during the recall elections. Opening the door to new levels of dark money in state elections and boy howdy would it will it. Uh, If it if it fully passes and is signed by the governor, another bill will cripple the state's nonpartisan government accountability board, considered a model for other states and turn it into a toothless partisan agency. Fisher writes the board of nonpartisan retired judges, which currently oversees elections, will be replaced with partisan appointees that are guaranteed to gridlock, just like the broken Federal Elections Commission. Oh, hooray. And it will give the power to the, uh, to the legislature to cut funding for any investigation that it doesn't like. A third bill, which has now been signed by the governor over the weekend, Scott Walker signed this, would prohibit Wisconsin's John Doe process, which was used to investigate Walker and is similar to a grand jury, but it happens in front of a judge, from being used to investigate political corruption. Taken together, says Fisher, the bills would eliminate most limits on money in elections and render it nearly impossible to enforce the anti-corruption laws that remain, if there frankly are any that remain. State Representative Peter Barca, Wisconsin's uh, Democratic state representative, uh, said, uh, Mark on your calendars, the week of October 19, that was last week, because the era of open and transparent government in Wisconsin is over, he said. I fear for the uh, I fear for the future of democracy in Wisconsin, and I am not overstating the problem in my judgment, he said. Well, was he overstating the problem? Uh I actually don't think he was. I think in one sense he's understating the problem because I think what's going on in Wisconsin is a uh, a Petri dish, frankly, for what Republicans would like to do in the entire country here to talk about this and explain uh, these uh, three amazing bills that are now working their way through uh, the Republican-dominated legislature, uh, soon to be signed most likely by Republican Governor Scott Walker in Wisconsin. And what it may mean for the rest of the country is Brendan Fisher of the Center for Media and Democracy. He is their general counsel. uh, And uh, always uh, glad to have him explain what the hell is going on in the Badger State here on the broadcast. Hey, Brendan Fisher, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. Uh, sure. Uh, and and frankly, I hope you take this the right way. I'm sorry you're back uh, because <laughs> it, it means uh, nothing good is happening in the state of Wisconsin, uh, to be honest. All right. I want to work uh, sort of backwards on these uh, three laws from how you broke them down since the third one has now been signed by the governor. It will prohibit uh, the the John Doe process from being used. Ah, uh, to investigate only certain things. Ah, uh, before you tell me what those certain things are, why is this called a John Doe law? What exactly is the John Doe law? Because I, I do believe it's, it's fairly unique to, uh, to the state of Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, it is, and, and actually, let's take a step back even further. Um, you know, I've been on your show before and talked about this uh, this investigation into Scott Walker during the recall election. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Walker was alleged to have worked hand in glove with uh, with outside dark money groups, uh, raising and spending uh, tens of millions of dollars during the recall elections. And the uh, State Government Accountability Board, which is a nonpartisan board of retirement judges retired judges, along with Republican prosecutors, um, thought that they violated the law, that they uh, broke campaign finance law uh, by, by, by engaging in this, these sort of secretive activities. So they launched what's called a John Doe investigation, and basically Wisconsin's version of a, of a grand jury. So it's uh, the, the difference really is that a John Doe investigation is, is conducted in front of a judge uh, it's used in a variety, to investigate a variety of different crimes, from uh, from breaking up drug rings uh, to investigating political corruption. Mm-hmm. And prosecutors in the past have used it to uh, uh, successfully uh, prosecute political corruption charges against politicians from both parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they, uh, when prosecutors gathered evidence of Walker engaging in this uh, wide-ranging campaign finance scheme, which may have even violated Wisconsin's criminal statutes, they launched a John Doe investigation, um, quickly faced backlash. Ultimately, this case went after the Supreme Court, and these three bills that you described at the intro are, are all intimately connected. Uh, they're all very clearly a, a response to this, to this investigation, um, and it's part of an effort to, uh, to wreak revenge on the GAP uh, and, to, and to insulate, and for these politicians to insulate themselves uh, from being investigated for for political corruption. so the specific bill, the bill that was that was signed last week and all of um, that actually uh, bill-
1: Brandon, before you get to the specifics of that bill, all of that that mm-hmm. you just described that investigation into Scott Walker and his and his allies uh all of those allies or many of those allies were funded uh, by the Koch brothers and the Americans for Prosperity. Uh, the same people who were funding Scott Walker's uh, campaign. And when it went up to the Supreme Court and when it essentially the investigation had its uh, you know was gutted by the state Supreme Court, it was gutted by uh, a state Supreme Court whose majority, has also been supported by those same uh, those same Koch brothers. They have elected uh, uh, state supreme court justices in Wisconsin, and uh, the very same folks uh, who who wanted to undermine these laws are you know to help out the Koch brothers are essentially people who are in office thanks to the Koch brothers. Do I have that correct?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So the I mean the entire John Doe. John Doe investigation into into Walker um, was a really tragic saga, Uh, and ultimately it was the Wisconsin Supreme Court that shut it down. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court, uh, its majority was elected by the exact same group that Walker was alleged to have coordinated with. And, uh, you know, and and even beyond the Wisconsin Supreme Court, the media groups that have been um, most active in trying to recast this investigation as a partisan witch hunt, despite the despite the involvement of republican prosecutors were have also been funded by uh, the same groups under investigation have deep ties to the individuals who have been fighting back against this probe um, you know and these and these three bills uh mm-hmm. and their their rapid movement through the legislature Uh, I think is the the latest chapter in this really, really sad and tragic and ultimately corrupt saga uh, that is this John Doe investigation.
1: Sad, corrupt, uh, frankly incestuous, uh, the way these guys are simply helping themselves out, helping themselves to uh, not be held accountable for things that they know they did. And we should add, by the way, that uh, second John, that, that John Doe investigation that we're talking about here, that was the second one, the first one. Uh, against Scott Walker and his cronies actually found some uh, uh, got some six convictions of top Scott Walker uh, aides and allies uh, so there is no love for these John Doe laws obviously uh, by Scott Walker and his affiliates there in Wisconsin so okay so so what did they do to the John Doe law last week uh, as as signed over the weekend by Scott Walker uh,
0: well so they didn't in the John Doe process in Wisconsin, uh, it still can be used to investigate average citizens. It still can be used to, uh, to investigate uh, most crimes. What they did was declare that John Doe, the John Doe process could no longer be used to investigate political corruption or bribery, uh, which is what Scott Walker was investigated under and which led to the convictions of six of his former aides and associates. Um so the law so the so this investigatory process uh is still in place for average citizens it's just that uh politicians are exempted from it when it comes to political corruption or or bribery
1: So it can still be used to uh prosecute uh violent crimes and drug related felonies and so forth uh just not political corruption uh, that the, the type that uh, the type of investigation that nabbed six of uh, Walker's top cronies and uh, and uh, that has lately led to uh, the case going all the way to the Supreme Court and being gutted there. So how will such political crimes now be investigated? Scott Walker has signed this law, as I understand. How do you investigate uh, bribery and political corruption in the state of Wisconsin, uh, if not with the John Doe law at this point?
0: Uh well it's gonna be it's gonna be harder. Um the the John Doe process, uh, prosecutors say that the John Doe process is an efficient way to investigate investigate corruption and political corruption, uh because the alternative is to impanel a full grand jury, uh, which is very time consuming, um pretty expensive, uh and oftentimes because there's not limits on um, on what those who are being questioned in the grand jury can say to other people, it can rapidly lead to the uh, the destruction of evidence. And so, you, if you ask one person, uh, "Hey, what's the story with this uh, with this apparent campaign finance violation?" or "What's the story with that with this apparent bribe?" and then they can go and tell uh, the most powerful people in the state or the other people who might be under investigation, uh, and then they destroy evidence. Um, so that's the that's the alternative. But but again, I mean, I, looking back at this these full set of bills together. Um, this is how you really see just how pernicious uh, this trio of bills really are because the campaign finance bill uh, almost legalizes all campaign finance types of uh, uh, ty- ty- types of types of transactions mm-hmm. so there's gonna be very few ground for campaign finance violations moving forward uh, they're going to effectively neuter uh, the State Elections Board, which would be the which would be the board that would be tasked with leading these investigations and would probably be the board most likely to identify violations, campaign finance violations or or political corruption violations, and then they dismantle the process that has been proven most effective and efficient in uh in prosecuting these these types of political corruption violations. So So really you have to take all these three bills together to recognize just how uh how insane uh What's going on in Wisconsin really is. It
1: really is. And we're going to get to those first two and get into some of those details. I, I want to know we're speaking with Brendan Fisher of Wisconsin Center for Media and Democracy. And before we move on to those other two, Brendan, we should also note that uh, one of the reasons they're claiming the need for gutting this John Doe uh, investigation process in Wisconsin is because of that Uh, that second John Doe investigation of Scott Walker and his cronies. But they love to say about that investigation that that was a a partisan witch hunt. And that's why we need to get rid of of these John Doe laws, at least in regard to investigating uh, political corruption. But in fact, that John Doe investigation was actually run by Republicans in Wisconsin, was it not?
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, it was approved by Wisconsin's nonpartisan Government Accountability Board, which mm-hmm. uh, which again is a board made up of retired judges, uh, many of whom were actually former Republican uh, elected officials.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it included the participation of uh, five different uh, Republican and Democrat district attorneys uh, from counties across the state, uh, and then it was led by a appointed special prosecutor. Uh, Francis Schmitz, who is, a, uh, who is a Republican, and even said that he voted for Walker, um, and, and you know, and, and then the Republican Attorney General uh, JB Van Hollen was also asked to lead the investigation. He he declined, uh, citing a, a conflict of interest. But he didn't he didn't deny the basis for the probe. He didn't he didn't claim that uh, that the probe lacked any sort of legal basis. Um, and from the, from top from beginning to end, this has a, this this probe had included uh, included the involvement of both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, it, just, it just cannot be be credibly described as a partisan witch hunt. But that hasn't stopped any. Uh, any of Walker's allies from doing so. From
1: describing it exactly that way. Yeah. Other than all those Republicans involved, it's a totally uh, Democratic, partisan Democratic witch hunt. All right. You mentioned the uh, Government Accountability Board. That board was formed in 2007. It was uh, with bipartisan support after nine Wisconsin legislators and staffers, Democrats and Republicans alike, were found guilty of using taxpayer funds for political campaigns. This was uh, as recently as 2007. There's a reason that the Government Accountability Board in Wisconsin was stood up the state assembly speaker uh, back then was sentenced to 15 months in prison uh, so they put this uh, GAB in place and uh, it's it's not perfect I've had some problems with the GAB myself and the way they oversaw the uh, the uh, the recall elections in 2012 and a, a state Supreme Court race uh, in early 2012 and yet, they are, as you say, Brendan, uh, nonpartisan former uh, retired judges, essentially. But uh, and many had seen them as a as a gold standard for nonpartisan election administration. So why are they now being targeted with the second of these three bills?
0: Yeah, well, uh, that's pretty simple. The reason that the GAB is being targeted is because it helped uh, investigate Scott Walker for campaign finance violations. Uh, they actually worked as uh, the GAB actually operated the way that it was supposed to. Um, it put uh, the enforcement of the law above partisan politics, mm-hmm. um, and the, the problem with the, the previous uh, iteration of what was then called the Elections Board was very similar to the problems with the with the FEC, which is basically that the FEC, meaning the the Federal Elections Commission, meaning it basically did nothing. Uh, it was it was a, a board of Partisan appointees from both parties. Uh, the gridlock in every issue. Uh, they were more loyal to the the, the the partisan appointees were more loyal to the party that appointed them uh-huh. than to the fair enforcement of the uh, the state's election and campaign finance laws. Uh, and that's why the what was called the caucus scandal was allowed to was allowed to fester. Uh, and the caucus scandal was these uh, was was political leaders using their their public offices to, uh, to do campaign work and to fundraise and to also coordinate their activities with, um, with outside groups. And there was widespread recognition in 2007 uh, that the election board had failed, uh, that they needed a nonpartisan agency uh, to, to, uh, that had the ability to launch these types of investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the problem, the problem now is that Republicans have con- complete control of the legislature, And the governor's mansion and that they were the subject of the uh, of the investigation that the that the gap was basically designed to uh, uh, designed to do.
1: Well, we can't have Um, that. And we we should note also the caucus, the caucus scandal you referenced, uh, uh, Brendan Fisher, was uh, took down both Republicans and Democrats alike, who who were both using their offices for. Uh, political means, and that's why uh, that's why they founded the Government Accountability Board. And uh, okay, so uh, press on, and so they download, were brought down yeah.
0: using uh, the John Doe, the John Doe process, It uh-huh. was actually not the not the uh, the predecessor to the Government Accountability Board uh, that that launched the investigation. It was uh, it was independent prosecutors wow. who caught wind of this um, uh, uh, of, of these of these violations, and they used the John Doe process, and the John Doe process was very effective. In investigating that political corruption, which they uh, would then, not then, be able to created almost unanimously.
1: Yeah, well, you created unanimously, and they would not be able to uh, to catch them the way they caught them back then because now yeah. they've gutted the governor uh, the, uh, the 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 ability for prosecutors to use Johnto investigations incredible all right so now uh, the republicans are really really extra mad uh, at the government accountability board and so a bill that is is now pending i believe it's passed the assembly it's now pending in the in the state senate what would it it, it would essentially do away with the government accountability board and replace it with something more like the Federal Elections Commission, which we've talked about many times on this show, which is totally broken because it does have uh, appointees, three Republican appointees, three Democratic appointees, and therefore they deadlock on absolutely everything. As a matter of fact, Republican Assembly Member Joe uh, Sanfilippo uh, wrote an op-ed last month saying that the Government Accountability Board should be more like the FEC. He said, quote, if it works for the Federal Elections Commission, there's no reason it won't work for Wisconsin as well. Well, it doesn't work for the <laughs> Federal Election Commission. That's the problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, yeah, so, the, so they would they would uh, they would eliminate basically eliminate the Government Accountability Board, go back to the uh, elections elections commission model. Uh, that preceded the Government Accountability Board and which had proven itself dysfunctional. Uh, and and I mean, it's incredible that Republicans would actually say that they're going to model anything after the Federal <laughs> Elections Commission. Yes. Um, but that that is the direction that they're that is the direction that they're going. And then in addition to that, uh, one of the other innovations with the Government Accountability Board, in addition to it being a board of um, of nonpartisan retired judges is that they were allowed to conduct investigations without approval from the from the legislature because mm. the problem with that is if you're investigating the legislature and you go to the go to the legislature and you have to go to the legislature to ask for money to conduct the investigation you can guess what's going to happen you're not going to get the money to to investigate the legislature sure. um... and that's something that the uh... that that's done away with in this in this gap bill uh... the the the, the, the 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 GAB or the Elections Board would now have to go to the legislature to get approval uh, for funding to conduct an investigation, which wow. again means that investigations are not gonna are not gonna happen in those rare instances where you can get uh, a majority vote um, uh, among
1: the partisan board. Wow! The Campaign Legal Center uh, it, uh, it was quoted in the Wisconsin State Journal saying that modeling. A new election board on the FEC is like setting up a disaster relief agency and saying you're going to use the FEMA handling of Hurricane Katrina as your model. That So, that's, so is that bill at this point, is that going to pass the state Senate? Because I have no doubt Scott Walker will be all too happy to sign it unless I missed my bet on that.
0: Yeah, well, so Republicans do control um, both the Assembly and the Senate. It passed the Assembly, as you noted, uh, but the Republican majority in the Senate is a little bit, uh, a little bit less, um, or a little bit more slim. And there's a few Republicans in the Senate who who aren't entirely crazy. So there's a possibility, a slight possibility, that the bill may not pass as currently as currently formulated. And again, as you mentioned, um, the GAB was created only in 2007 uh, with Basically unanimous support. So there's many there's many legislators who are still in uh, who are who are still in in the Capitol building uh-huh. um, who voted just a few years ago to create the gap. So now to go back just a couple of years later uh, and vote to vote to dismantle it, um, you know that that can definitely lead to charges of, of hypocrisy. Uh, so there's a possibility uh, that it may fail in the Senate or may be amended in the Senate, um, but that's uh, but that's unknown you know, and and then going on to the next uh, the next bill this next campaign finance bill yeah, one this of the is the worst the worst,
1: worst for saving the worst for last yeah, year well, as bad as all of those other ones were what, this one yeah go ahead
0: there's well there's just one we'll talk about it entirely in, yeah. in a minute but there's one provision I want to highlight it with respect to uh to the gap bill yeah. um one of the things that this campaign finance bill will do is allow unlimited contributions to parties and to legislative and to legislative leaders or legislative committees which means that legislative leaders are going to be in a position to dole out money uh, to to their caucus, and they're also going to be potentially in a position to uh, uh, to call on to call on the coops to to primary to primary uh, legislators who, who don't who don't don't stand behind them. So if this campaign finance bill passes, um, you know all of these legislators know hmm. that they're going to have a hard time defying their defying their caucus, and I think that that's going to be a consideration in these
1: next uh, in these next few weeks. This is amazing. I'm speaking with Brendan Fisher of the Center for Media and Democracy, and I'll tell you what we need to take a quick break here, but we will come back with this. Uh, Like I say, the the worst for last, Uh, what they are doing in Wisconsin is absolutely mind-blowing. And the way they want to restructure campaign finance law as if people want there to be more money in politics, uh, well, you're not going to believe it. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Hang on, Brendan. i got to take a quick break, and we will be back with more Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. (laughs) Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, you, you thought there wasn't nearly enough money, secret money, in our campaign system, right? Well, Scott Walker and the Republicans up in Wisconsin have the cure for that. We've been speaking with Brendan Fisher, the general counsel at the Wisconsin-based Center for Media and Democracy, about a package of bills that is very quickly moving through the uh, Wisconsin state legislature. May even have already been passed in uh, in both houses by the time you hear this uh, this broadcast today. All right, we've already spoken with uh, Brendan about uh, two of the bills. One of them has been signed, the, the bill that would uh, limit the uh, so-called John Doe investigations that are carried out in Wisconsin by prosecutors there uh, that allowed them to go after campaign corruption uh, in the past, those will no longer be uh, able to be used to go after campaign corruption because they can go after other things like uh, you know violent crimes and so forth, but they can't use them... To investigate Scott Walker and his friends or any other type of political corruption. That bill has now been signed by the governor. The second bill would do away with the uh, nonpartisan Government Accountability Board, which oversees elections since 2007. It was put in place after a huge corruption scandal. Found by a John Doe investigation, uh, huge corruption by both Republicans and Democrats in the state legislature. That may be replaced with a board that is more like the broken Federal Elections Commission. Uh, Government appointees who uh, will be afraid and or unable to do anything. Uh, That may pass the state Senate and then go to Scott Walker's desk. And then finally... We saved the worst for last. Uh, This will gut, the third bill would gut the state's campaign finance laws and decriminalize secretive campaign finance uh, schemes and donations, according to Brendan Fisher. I'm underscoring all of this because, well, you know, Wisconsin, every four years they talk about Wisconsin as if it is a swing state. This is the year the Republicans are going to get it back into into the presidential column. Uh, And that that remains a possibility, really, every four years. And now they're making it easier than ever, potentially, in 2016. But I would also argue argue that uh, at the crux of all of this is what Republicans would like to see across the entire country and that they are using Wisconsin to say, see, we could do it here. We can do it anywhere. Now, let's get into this. This financing issue that they are trying to push through, it has already passed the Assembly, as I understand, and is now pending in the Senate. Um, Brendan Fisher, the uh, the American prospect, Justin Miller, points out that in Wisconsin, 61 cities and counties representing 42 percent of state residents have passed resolutions in support of overturning Citizens United and across the country. Eighty four percent of Americans think money has too much influence in politics and seventy five percent believes there need to be fundamental changes to the campaign finance system. So it's not as if there is a call across the country for more money in politics, but incredibly, that is now what uh, uh, Wisconsin Republicans are attempting to do with with this bill. Explain this monstrosity of a bill, Brendan Fisher.
0: Sure. Uh, you know, and and just to start, I mean, I think that's a really important point. That this is not something that voters in Wisconsin were calling for. Neither Republicans nor Democrats. Uh, as, as you mentioned, 61 communities have passed these have passed these referendums, uh, calling for Citizens United to be overturned and for there to be less money in politics. And that includes, in just this year alone, uh, six different communities have enacted these these resolutions. Mm-hmm. and five of those six communities, are Republican communities. They voted for <laughs> they voted for Walker. Right. Uh, they voted for Walker in the in the last uh, in the last election cycle. Um, so this is not something that the Republican base is calling for or asking for. Uh, and when you look at the lobbying registration, the only groups that are lobbying in favor of these three bills are the Koch brothers. It's America's prosperity, uh, it's, and then it's. Other other organizations with um, deep ties to Americans for Prosperity and mm-hmm. uh, and Koch tied groups, um, but so let's get into the uh, what, what this bill actually does. Okay. Uh, it's it's almost like a wish list of the of the Koch brothers or other wealthy billionaires who want more even more influence in elections. Yep. So it's going to allow uh, unlimited money from billionaires and corporations uh, uh, to political parties and to legislative leaders. Uh, it's going to allow Coordination, unlimited coordination between candidates and uh, and dark money groups uh, that that do that run issue ads that stop short of saying vote for or vote against a candidate. Um, and what that basically means is that uh, uh, or the implication of that is that a candidate could form a nonprofit group, uh, even have it operated out of its campaign headquarters, uh, and politicians can say to donors. Give to my give to this uh, this dark money group that I'm working with. You can give as much as you want. It can come from anywhere. It can come from uh, Coke Industries Corporate Treasury. Um, it can even come from foreigners. The money can even come from foreigners. Uh, and the politician is going to know exactly where the money is coming from, but the uh, but the public will not. And uh, so, hang on. Let me, let me let me let me
1: let me underscore that. The politician will know where that money comes from, will know which uh, billionaire or which corporation has given that money, but they do not have to disclose it. So they will know who they are beholden to, but the public needn't be told. And that's so long as uh, the, these are these so-called issue ads you mentioned and that they don't say vote for Scott Walker or vote against. Basically, they say Scott Walker is the greatest uh, man ever born uh, to these United States. He walks on water every day. Scott Walker is wonderful for Wisconsin. But they haven't said, go out and vote for Scott Walker. They've just said he's wonderful. Or they've said uh, uh, Hillary Clinton is a, a a demon spawned from hell. Uh, she is wrong for America and wrong for Wisconsin. They haven't said vote against Hillary Clinton They've just said she's a demon spawn from hell, so that's okay. Anyone can uh, they can put as much money as they want into that, and they do not have to declare it. Do
0: yeah, have I explained right. it correctly? Yes, yes, exactly. It, and it's um and the bill the bill basically declares that any any advertising uh, that stops short of saying vote for or vote against is entirely beyond the reach of of Wisconsin law. Uh, so they don't even have to have the the disclaimer on the ad saying "paid for by Americans uh. for Prosperity" or "paid for by Citizens for a Stronger America." Uh, it can just be an ad saying "Scott Walker uh, Scott Walker walks on water." Call him and thank him, uh-huh. um, right. and there doesn't have to be any disclaimer whatsoever on where those uh, on, 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 on the name of the sham group. Uh, that actually bought the ads, much less disclosure of the of the billionaires or corporations or even foreign corporations uh, that bankroll the
1: ads, and no and no limits on how much they can put in. In other words, if they can buy a billion dollars worth of ad time on on the airwaves, they can do that under this law.
0: Yeah, no limit, no limit whatsoever. And, and then you know, and we we we've been talking about these issue ads that uh, are clearly about politics, but don't explicitly say vote for or vote against, and even. Uh, it's really not even that much better for the ads that that do say vote for or vote against, uh, nice. because the way that you uh, groups like America's Prosperity uh, can continue to keep their donors secret, even if they're doing uh, express advocacy, even if they're doing ads expressly telling people how to vote, uh, as long as they declare that expressed advocacy is not their major purpose. Um, the The twist here is they're gonna have to uh, report how much they spend on those ads if they run the ads within sixty days of an election but they can keep their donors secret, uh, and, and although they won't be able to coordinate with candidates over how the, over the content of the ads or where the ads are being aired, uh, candidates can still raise money for these groups uh, that, that are doing express advocacy. So again, you're in a situation where the, the politician is going to know where the support is coming from, uh, but the public and the press absolutely will not. Uh, so even, so obviously, uh, this is all going to be legal. So mm-hmm. there's not going to be a chance that the Government Accountability Board or a prosecutor, uh, is going to be able to prosecute violations. But even the press won't be able to say, boy, that, that's, uh, that's awfully unseemly that this group that gave you $2 million, uh, in your last election campaign is now getting this huge kickback, uh, in the, in the latest budget bill, or they're getting, uh, the environmental laws rewritten. Uh, to benefit their interests. Um, and the reason that the press can't even write those stories is because they're because the public and the press are not going to know uh, where the politician's money com- is coming from, but the politicians certainly will. Uh,
1: it, it's it's incredible, and it's and it's not as you note in an article that uh, that you wrote over at uh, Center for Media and Democracy, uh, headlined "The Kochs Want to End Wisconsin's Era of Clean Government." Uh, th- this is not hypothetical. We have uh, information that was obtained via. That John Doe investigation, which uh, the Supreme Court ended up gutting, uh, of course, back when such investigations were allowed, that uh, information came out, for example, a March 2012 email from Walker to his fundraising uh, to his fundraiser, stating, quote, Bruce and Susie Kovner said they want to give more. And 10 days later, a $50,000 check from Bruce Kovner arriving arrived in the club's account the check's memo line reads 501C4 Walker. So he specifically said, hey, they want to give more money. They've maxed out how much they're allowed to give me. Go ahead and give it over there to my uh, 501C4. It won't be disclosed. No one will ever know. Uh, there, there's another one that you write about, uh, Brendan, uh, 2012 email from Walker's fundraiser to the governor saying, meetings to make happen while in Sea Island. Paul Singer, grab him. A few months later, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars was deposited into the club, uh, the Club for Growth's account, from the infamous vulture capitalist. Uh, you, you list one case after another. Let me give one more. As the Wisconsin legislature debated a controversial mining bill last term, the public never knew that the CEO of the out-of-state mining company that sought the legislation had secretly donated at least. to Wisconsin's club for growth. So this is very real. This is going on in Wisconsin. And essentially these laws uh, that may well be passed at this point by the legislature and signed by uh, Scott Walker uh, will make all of this completely legal. And where it's not illegal, almost impossible to investigate. Is that kind of rounded up here?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. It's, it's really, it's sad. It's a sad day. It's a sad day in Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, this would be sad in any state, but it's, it's particularly, uh, disconcerting because it is Wisconsin and Wisconsin does have these long traditions of openness and transparency. I mean, this is the, this is the state that gave rise to the progressive movement with fighting Bob LaFollette, uh, pushing back against the mining interests and railroad interests. And, uh, and oligarchs of the early 20th century, uh, and and it's also it's a it, it, the state that uh, that passed its campaign finance laws or enacted its campaign finance laws after after the Watergate scandal in the in the 70s. It it, it had long had bipartisan commitment to transparency and openness, even just the, until just a few years ago, mm-hmm. as the as the creation of this government accountability board, which is considered a model for the rest of the country, as as, as that evidences you know and we also have uh I, I think i think we talked recently you and i talked recently about this this effort to attack Wisconsin's public records law mm-hmm, uh, and yeah. that provoked a, a bipartisan backlash in Wisconsin um and it and it uh it reemphasized the the state's long traditions of of transparency and openness um but this is just as much of an attack on transparency and openness as the attack on the public records law was. Uh-huh. Um you know, why should why should the public have a right to know about the about the email that a lobbyist sends to a legislator asking for a particular bill but they shouldn't know about the the fifty thousand dollar check that follows it. Um you know, and that's what this bill does. It takes away that second, the the public's right to know about the second part of that equation. Um, the public the public is still going to be able to know that the lobbyist sent an email to a legislator, but they're not going to be able to know that a lobbyist or some other special interest uh, sent sent. Tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands, or even millions of dollars uh, to support the the candidate's reelection. This is
1: amazing. Are are Wisconsin Republicans banking on all of this to happen uh, so quickly? That you know, will or will there be blowback? Is there something that the public can do? Uh, My sense is that they're trying to do it quickly. They think that because this is not like Act Ten that gutted the collective bargaining rights uh, for many of the collective bargaining rights for unions in Wisconsin. That there won't be sort of the uproar because this doesn't affect lives, you know, immediately as as uh, voters might see it, that they think they can get away with it without a huge up, uproar in the state? Or is there an uproar there? Can there be an uproar? What can, if anything, the public do at this point, uh, Brendan?
0: Well, I think I think they are making on these bills being very confusing. Um, and so far... Definitely the public, or certainly most of the public, and I think a good segment of the press corps still doesn't really understand the full the full breadth of this legislation. Right. Um, and if you watch the, the floor debate uh, in the Assembly last week, uh, you, it, it appears that even many of the Republicans who are speaking in support of these bills don't actually get what they do. Um, there were some Republican legislators who appeared to be voicing support, still voicing support for uh, transparency and campaign finance disclosure, apparently without recognizing that the that the bills that they're voting for uh would do would do the opposite. Um I mean I'm still I'm still surprised that the that the that the press hasn't come out um as vociferously against these bills as they did against the attempted open records changes because this would this would deprive the press of their ability to uh to play their watchdog function. Um it would deprive them of that ability as much as the as the efforts to gut the public records law. Um you know, with these bills slowed down a little bit in the Senate, I'm hoping that um that the public is going to grow more aware and uh, uh, and there will be and there will be a backlash because this is uh, you know, the public has a right to know about this. This stuff. is
1: yeah, they they do, and I and I'm already running late here, Brendan, but I I think it's important enough to uh, to give this kind of coverage. So in the minute or two left uh, we have here. It, can this be stopped? If it, you know, if it goes through uh, Wisconsin, if it's signed by the governor, all three of these bills, can any of them, in any way that that you can tell, as general counsel for uh, Center for Media and Democracy, can any of this be stopped at the federal level? Can uh, uh, does it, you know, violate the Constitution in any way? Will there be uh, lawsuits uh, by the DOJ under the Voting Rights Act? Anything, uh, or does this simply become? the model for the GOP at the national level and we'll uh, likely see state after state trying to get away with uh, similar laws uh, to to end what you know transparency and disclosure there is left in our uh, in our election system
0: yeah, unfortunately, um I'm not I'm not immediately aware of any of any options on the federal level to stop any of these to stop any of these bills. Um I mean, there might be some creative lawyers out there who can come up with something, um but nothing is immediately apparent to me. And and I think you're right that this is the ultimate goal uh is to use Wisconsin, uh use this concocted narrative about uh the Wisconsin John Doe witch hunt uh, as an excuse to try and strike down uh, tra- campaign finance laws uh, around the country and states around the country. Um, and increasingly with with uh, right wing Republicans in control of a lot of state legislatures, uh, that's a very real possibility, even yeah. though it's not voters who are who are calling for it.
1: Yeah, uh, they don't seem to give a damn uh, what voters are calling for and what aren't. And if, you know, and if voters in Wisconsin are upset about these laws uh, getting passed, well, good luck doing anything about it, because it has made it even more difficult to throw the bums out in Wisconsin to get Democrats back in there. So they might be able to roll back some of these laws. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, uh, it just reminds me again, this is why elections matter. Elections do have consequences. And when people turn the other way because it's, oh, it's an off-year election, you know, I'll worry about it when there's a uh, you know a, a president on the ballot. Uh, this stuff has an effect going all the way from the state legislator uh, all the way up to uh, the races for president, as will be the case in Wisconsin if, the, if these three bills go through that are incredibly troubling for wisconsin and for the rest of the country Brandon fisher uh general counsel at the wisconsin-based center for media and democracy uh they are a must read go on over to prwatch.org and pay attention what is happening not just in wisconsin but frankly to your entire uh national electoral system as far as i'm concerned brendan uh thanks again for helping us out on this and i suspect we will unfortunately, be talking again in the near future.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for um, thanks for paying attention to this. Uh, it really is an important issue.
1: Yeah, you bet. Somebody's got to. All right, brother. Thank you, Brendan. We are running very, very late today, so all I have time to do is uh, thank my producer, Desi Doyen. Thank you, Des. My thanks to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and of course to Brendan Fisher of Wisconsin Center for Media and Democracy. Check them out at Watch dotorg a really damned important story okay that's it uh, if you missed any portion of our program today download it as ever at bradblog.com or over at iTunes where we hope you will give us good review that makes it easier for other folks to find us as well. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Blog, and drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. All right, that's it. We'll be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.